Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. So glad to see you. As I was preaching this morning in the 8 o'clock service, I realized that this message that I'm preaching today is really too long to put in one sermon. But since I've already got it down, we'll speak fast, you listen fast, and we'll have it covered, okay? Seriously, it's a, a, I've really enjoyed, the, I've been enjoying the studies of the Old Testament prophets, and today we're going to be talking about uh, Moses, the reluctant prophet. My first thought was to call it a cautious prophet, but I felt that reluctant fits better. See, cautious means to be careful to avoid potential problems or dangers. So maybe you say, well, I'm, I'm cautious, but reluctant means unwilling and hesitant and disinclined. Unwilling and hesitant and disinclined. I like to think of myself as a cautious person. My wife said I was born old. <laughs> I, I like to think of myself as a cautious person, but I had to ask myself the question, if sometimes if I go beyond being cautious, and become reluctant. I become unwilling, hesitant, disinclined. It's good to be cautious. And I'm so thankful that although Moses was reluctant, he still obeyed God, right? Isn't that great? Even though he was reluctant, he was hesitant, he was unwilling. You say, unwilling? Yeah, we'll look at that. But he was still, I would consider him a successful man. The name of Jesus was used over 1,200 times in the scriptures. David, a little over 1,000. And third place comes into Moses. He was named over 800 times in scripture. There's an interesting, or many interesting statements, but one interesting statement concerning Moses is it said the phrase, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord says to Moses is used 138 times. I think you'd say that God and Moses were on speaking terms. I mean, can you say God spoke to me 138 times? I mean, he speaks to us through his word, but the Lord said to Moses 138 times. So there are tons of things we could talk about as Moses. But I want to focus upon the thought that Moses was a reluctant prophet. He was unwilling. He was hesitant. He was disinclined. But if we're going to look at the whole story, we have to look at the Old Testament and the New Testament. So we have to look in a hurry. See, there had been 400 years that had passed since the time that Joseph went to get his dad and all of his family and brought back to Egypt. During the 400 years, there had been quite a bit of growth. There had been several different pharaohs that were in charge. Pharaoh is a word that we would say a king. 
He was the head. And there have been a number of those changes during those 400 years. And now, after 400 years, there was a Pharaoh in charge that he looked and he saw that the nation of Israel, who was not a nation, but those bunch of slaves were multiplying. They were growing. They were becoming very strong. And he hit upon a plan. He wanted to get rid of and make sure that they did not become stronger than the Egyptians. So his plan was, let's kill all the male children. Let's get rid of all the males. And we need to remind ourselves that uh, any generation, that means this generation or any generation, is only one generation away from extinction. So if he could get rid of all the males, guess what? The women would have nobody to marry. And so they would begin to marry the local people and they would become immersed in their society. And that seemed like a good idea. But we find out that ideas don't always work. The story of Moses' birth and adoption is recorded in Exodus chapter 2. Verse 1 through 10. Now, I'm going to read some scripture, but I'm leaving a ton out. And I'd like to encourage you to read the whole stories. But in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. And she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young women, or her servants, walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. And she took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse, the child uh, to a Hebrew woman, to nurse the child for you. And Pharaoh's daughter said, go. So the child went, girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you wages. In other words, she paid the, the mother to babysit her own kid. That's pretty good. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became his son. And she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Now there's nothing here, nothing in the Old Testament that tells anything about the next few years. We know nothing about it until Moses became 40 years of age. So we have to go over to the Old New Testament and see what Stephen had to say. Now Stephen was the first one that was uh, after Jesus that was martyred. He was martyred for the faith. And while they were bringing him on to trial, they asked him and he began to tell them the story about uh, Moses and Think about it. This was his basically his, his death uh, uh, story. He was telling them right before they stoned him. And it's recorded in Acts chapter 7, verse 20. It says that this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. So it would have been brought up as Pharaoh's grandson. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was 
mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came to his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptians. Here's a key word, key verse. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them by salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you're brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his brother or his neighbor thrust him aside saying, who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And at this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian where he became the father of two sons. Now, when you begin to put the stories together, you realize that again, we had nothing, knew nothing about Moses' life up until he was 40 years of age, except the fact that said he was mighty in his words and his deeds. Now, this is my take. I tend to believe that while he was growing up, as he was raised in Pharaoh's household, he became a prominent person in his society. He became uh, recognized among the Pharaohs because, again, he was raised as Pharaoh's grandson. Wouldn't that make sense to you? That he was, and he said he was mighty in word and deed. Now, let's flip over a few pages to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Now we got that, told us three times he was three months old. Because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's eating. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the sons of, uh, son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for to the, to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as serving him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. We know that that story is recorded in the book of Exodus as they were leading on. And we need to understand something. that we I don't want to embellish the story. I don't want to add anything that's not scriptural. And we read the account in Exodus. We read the account in Acts and in Hebrews. And so we have to connect all the dots. But we know that he was 40 years of age when he went out and he committed murder. But if you read what it said there in, in Acts, you'd find out that he thought, he believed, and I believe that his mother, remember, taught him early. His mother was teaching him all about her ancestry, told him all the story about how they were brought to Egypt as slaves, told him all of that history. His mom taught him that. But on this side, he's been taught by Pharaoh's leaders, all the uh, highly educated people of his day. Egypt was one of the, was the premier nation of the world at that time. And so he had the best scientific knowledge. He had the best knowledge on this side. And then he had his mom talking about Jewish history and he had that. But he was 40 years old and committed murder. If you remember it said there that he anticipated, he expected the Jews to understand that he was the one 
that was going to lead them out of bondage. He was the one. He felt that God had put him in the position to accomplish great things. Did you notice it said he was mighty in words and deeds? But when he stepped out of his position, when he stepped out of his circumstances and tried to go forward, he was totally rejected. Have any of you ever been rejected? Have any of you ever been falsely accused? Now, he was guilty of murder, very plain of that. But he thought he was doing what he's supposed to do. I believe that God had impressed upon him. I believe his mama probably told him how great he was. Remember, it says he was a special baby. How many of you mothers thought that your kid was special? Well, she thought he was special. He was a Levite. He knew everything about the history up to that time. And his mother taught him. And he had the best of education, what we would call secular education. So he had Christian, what's well, a Christian, but biblical Jewish education. He had secular education. And he thought, he thought that he was going to be the one to lead them out of Egypt. Let me ask you a few questions. Have you ever tried to do something good and people misunderstood you? Have you? Have you ever jumped the gun? <laughs> Any of you ever jumped the gun? I mean, we, we thought we were ready. I mean, you, you advertised and said, we're going to eat at noon. And the roast took an extra 30 minutes to cook. We can put that in so many things. When we talk about jumping the gun, we're specifically talking about track. When they jump the gun, and you know what happens when you jump the gun? You're disqualified. Now, I know in the old school, you had one chance. But now, you jump the gun one morning, and that's it. You're out. Moses jumped the gun. You're disqualified. Aren't you glad when we're disqualified by God, it doesn't mean an eternal disqualification? Because I guarantee you, if you were disqualified your first sin, you wouldn't have lived very long. You wouldn't have made it very far. But he jumped the gun. That's what Moses did. And he went to ten sheep for his father-in-law for 40 years. Now, I don't know. A lot of people have asked, you know, I, I think it'd be much more difficult to leave a life of leisure and go backwards than it would be to get a life of backwardness and go to leisure. I was telling somebody earlier today, I grew up here in Florida. We didn't have air conditioning. I don't want to go back to the good old days. I'm just saying. I don't want to go back to the good old days. I love my air conditioning. I love to be comfortable. 
And it would be much, much harder for me to go back there today than it would be whenever I was growing up and I went to somebody's house that had air conditioning. I died and went to heaven. Huh? Moses went from the king's palace to living in a tent. Tending sheep that didn't even belong to him. But I believe the biggest issue was the fact that he had been rejected. He had been hurt. He had been refused. I'm sure in those 40 years he learned a lot. One of the things he probably learned is a little bit of patience. But he needed to learn patience because he was going to leave a flock of sheep to a flock of people. How many, how many times have you heard pe preachers say, if it wasn't for the people, preaching would be easy? <laughs> if it wasn't for the sheep, being a shepherd would be a piece of cake. But they weren't even his sheep. So he learned patience. But there was a change was about to take place. And as that change began to take place, we find that Moses was very reluctant. He was unwilling. He was hesitant. He was disinclined to do that. Why? Because he'd failed. Have any of you ever failed before? I'm going to tell you, there's some of you here today that you failed and you think that's the end of the road. I'm so glad that God's a God of second, third, and fourth, and fifth, and hundred chances. Moses jumped the gun. And it's very evident that he was very reluctant to do what he thought he was supposed to have done. Remember? He expected them to say, oh, there's Moses. There's our Redeemer. There's the one that's going to lead us out of this bondage. Instead, they said, he's a murderer. They exiled him. So is it any wonder when we get to Exodus chapter 3, we find that God begins to speak to him. Don't have time to read all of it. But it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Now that gets your attention. The bush was not consumed. It was burning, but not consumed. I'm not going to read that whole story. It goes through chapter 4 and talks about how God called him. God ministered to him. And God said, I want you to go back to Egypt. And he said, not me. I can't do it.
Let's read that. It says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And he said, oh, God, that's good. You're going to redeem my people. And now, behold, the cry of the people has come to me, and I've seen their oppression, and I will send you. That changed the story. I'm going to send you back to Egypt. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Now, this has been 40 years. If not the same, same for Pharaoh. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. And Moses said, who am I? God, don't you know I'm a loser? Don't you know I'm a nobody? Don't you know that I've got to work for my father-in-law to earn a living? Don't you know that my people rejected me? Don't you know they don't like me? They turned against me and I failed. You don't want me. He said, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I ask them? Who am I going to say sent me? And he said, God said to Moses, I am who I am. He began to make excuses. But you remember that verse earlier? It says that he was mighty in word and in deed. Now this is Strickland's rendition. I tried to find out that. All I know is the word mighty is the same word that was used for dunamis, power. He said he was powerful in speech. And yet, what, what was Moses' excuse? He said, I can't speak. Now, this, again, this is my personal interpretation. Could be wrong. You may disagree with me, but you've been wrong before. <laughs> I think we have a good example here of that old phrase, if you don't Use it, you lose it. He had been talking to sheep for 40 years. Yeah, he was carrying most of the conversation, right? 40 years. Again, that's just my thinking. I think up until the time that he was 40, he was a pretty successful person. Had a lot going for him. But then he messed up. He messed up by thinking he was doing the right thing. Now I'm emphasizing that because sometimes we get criticized and we get accused of doing something wrong and we don't even think we did anything wrong. Do any of you relate to that? Some of you here today, you've been hurt. And you might have been hurt by church. I know that's hard for some of us to believe because we know how godly all Christians are. I'm saying that tongue in cheek. 
Some have been hurt by preachers. Some have been rejected by family. I kind of think that's the way Moses felt. Lived 40 years in the palace. Lived 40 years in the desert. And God said, I got something for you to do. I've got something for you to do. But I think you would have to agree with me that Moses was a reluctant prophet. Now, one of the things that Moses had to learn, because the Bible tells us that Moses was one of the most humble people that's ever lived. He was known for his humility. He'd failed. He was reluctant. He was unwilling. He was disinclined. But guess what? He obeyed anyway. He obeyed anyway. How many of you know that your experiences affect your personalities and your abilities? It's a fact we're affected. But how many of you know that God can take that which the enemy intended for evil and make it into something good? See, something that Moses' life exemplified was simply the question, is the Lord among us or not? See, that's what he prayed later on. He said, the main issue is the Lord among us or not. That's in chapter 17. And if the Lord is among us or not, we need to realize that we are more than conquers through Christ Jesus. It seems to me that Moses' reluctance followed him throughout his life. But let me say again that even in his reluctance, he continued to follow God. Think about this. Any of you have a wonder, any of you ever question, you wonder where God's leading? Huh? Any of you ever questioned? Think about it. Moses had, and the Lord said to Moses 138 times. But guess what? He had every day when he woke up, he had a cloud to lead him in the daytime and a fire at night, and he still wondered which way to go. Huh? But it seemed like that reluctance Stayed with Moses throughout his life. And some of you say, why would you say that? Because in Exodus chapter 14, God told Moses when they got to the Red Sea, he said, why are you still here? Why are you still praying? Why aren't you going? Twice in the book of Deuteronomy, guess what he told him? He said, you've stayed here long enough. It's time to move. Was he fearful for his life? No. 
It seemed to be he was one of the most courageous men that I've ever known or heard about. He went to Pharaoh that could have had his head. He went to him numerous times with a bunch of requests. How would you like to make a, a private appointment with a president and demand him to do things? Huh? But he went. So he wasn't fearful of his life. But he was still reluctant. He was unwilling. He was hesitant. He was disinclined. Why? Well, maybe we can answer that best by asking you this question. Why are you reluctant? I said, why, why are you reluctant? Why am I reluctant? Somebody said, well, what do you mean? I'm going to tell you, probably everybody in this building is reluctant about something. And it's probably backed up to about a lot of our past. If you were raised in poverty, you probably have some reluctancy that's influenced by that poverty. If you were raised in a home where there was a lot of abuse, guess what? You're reluctant to do some things because of your past. So why are we reluctant? There's some people that are reluctant to become Christians because they're unwilling, they're hesitant, they're disinclined to trust God with their life because they've never been able to trust anybody else. Why are you reluctant to get involved in ministry? Because you were like Moses. You wanted to do something one time and you got knocked down. Somebody that you had a lot of faith in slammed the door in your face. And chances are, guess what? You're still reluctant. Could you be like Moses? The reason you don't do things is because you're hurt. You've been rejected. Moses did that. Maybe you don't want to do something because you're afraid of failure. Do you think that might have influenced Moses? I mean, he thought that he was the one. He thought he was God's gift to the nation of Israel. And he blew it. He failed. Are you reluctant because you're afraid that you would blow it again? I've shared this before, but it's a great illustration for today. Growing up, my, we owned some horses. They were pretty spirited horses. They were not your trail riding horses that anybody could ride. But with seven kids growing up, we all had at least a friend or two that wanted to go riding. And my dad would ask them, well, can you ride? And every one of them always said, yes. But one minute after they were on the horse, we found out they lied. So he changed the question. 
He says, have you ever fallen off a horse before? And if he said no, then he knew they couldn't ride our horses. You say, what are you talking about? I'm telling you, if you're here today and you've never failed, I can tell you, you've never done much. I said, if you've never failed, you've never done a whole lot. And if the dreams you have and the ambitions you have, if there's something that you can accomplish all by yourself, let me tell you, your dreams are not big enough. Moses went through a rejection. We may not have a God to speak to us from a burning bush. Most of us have probably never heard an audible voice. But God spoke to Moses 138 times. But even if we've never heard from the burning bush, we've never heard from an audible voice, God still speaks. Speaks to us through His Word. Speaks to us through circumstances and situations. And we're all, or many of us, are a lot like Moses. But, but, we all have our excuses. And some of us have gotten our excuses down so well they turned into reasons. But they're still excuses. Yet God is still speaking to some today. Just like he spoke to Moses And they ask the question, why are you still where you are? Now, when I'm talking about that, I'm not talking about a location because I don't want any of you to leave. But spiritually speaking, ministry speaking, and I know some of you say, well, ministry, I'm not a minister. We're all in ministry. Why are we where we are? Moses went through rejection. He went through failure. And I'm totally convinced he went through a time of depression. And God says, Moses, why are you still here? I've got something for you to do. Now, God's message to each of us is totally different. Because each one of us are a different spot of our journey. We're a different spot in our story. I'm reading an awesome book by Mark Batterson called Win the Day. And he says in that everything in your past is preparation for something in your future. I believe that to be true. James Davis said this, we think faith is some way to get our will done in heaven when faith is God's way to get heaven's will done on earth. Now that's good enough to hear again. We think faith is some way to get our will done in heaven when faith is God's way to get heaven's will done on earth. And so because of that, God has what we call the church, what we call his children, 
what we call his body, what we call the bride of Christ. You've got a lot of names. And each one, God speaks to us. And my cry to you today is not to sit. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.